Digital Marketing Radio, episode 245. How to build a successful content marketing strategy in 2021. Digital Marketing Radio with David Bain. Hi, I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, the show for in-house agency and entrepreneurial marketers who want to stay on top of the latest tools, tactics and trends are shared by today's modern marketing masters. Now, there's a lot of content out there. There's a lot more content out there than there used to be. Now, this means that to be success now, you're going to have to do something different to everyone else out there. So what content should you be publishing in 2021 and how do you get it seen by your target audience? Those are just two of the questions that I'm going to be asking my guest on at Digital Marketing Radio episode 245. He is a prolific keynote speaker and trainer, a digital skills evangelizer, and the founder of Talk Digital. Welcome to DMR, Andrew Davis. Hey, thanks a lot, David. Nice to nice to see you, and uh, hi to every, all the listeners out there. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on board, Andrew. So you can find Andrew over at andrewmilesdavis.com. So, Andrew, how different is content marketing in 2021? Oh, wow. Um, it's interesting because I've been working in the digital space since full-time since 2001. So I'm in the 20th year of my third decade. And something I can say when it comes to content, the actual types of content has changed a lot from when I first started to, to now. Um, obviously, then it was all about, well, it was mainly text. Uh, images was there, but obviously a lot of it is to, just to do with like bandwidth and space. So yes, we had videos, but not to the level that we have now. And obviously move forward to, to where we are now. Technically, anything that goes on the internet is content. And that could be from a sending a, a text message all the way to putting together a feature length film and apps and everything else. So um, content, I always I often say to people, it's the blood of the internet because it's anything that goes online is, is technically content. So yeah, there's a, there's a big change um, over the years and with 2021 um, pretty much being the way it is because of 2020 for obvious reasons, uh, there's more and more content on the internet uh, than ever before. It's it's changed so much. I actually started my first online business in the year two thousand, and um, worked at that for a year or two. And eventually, it didn't didn't really work out. Uh, so I ended up. Um, but I've been kind of full time in digital marketing since about two thousand and five or so. So I, I can kind of relate to you. Uh, <laughs> but talking about three decades or entering your three decades, that's just absolutely phenomenal. And things have changed so much. Um, so. Taking us back to present day, to 2021, what kind of content do you see resonating with people nowadays? What kind of content works best now at the moment? Well, I think a lot of the content is dictated by the platform. So if we just keep it social media for, for a bit, um, it's dictated by the platform. So when you see Facebook really pushing videos, it kind of almost not necessarily forces people, but it kind of like pushes people in the in the direction to create more videos you're seeing the likes of instagram um obviously instagram when when i first joined instagram this was probably 2011 um it wasn't even a social network mm. it was just a platform where you upload images and you could turn it black and white <laughs> that's the only reason i joined uh, back then um but now obviously we've got videos we've got the reels. So if you've got reels, you're going to get a lot more organic reach than if you had pretty much any other type of content. So, but when you break down reels, it's still video content. So I think when it comes to content, what people are creating, a lot of it is dictated by 
the platforms, because from a marketer's point of view, it's not just about creating content. You want the reach. You want people to see it. You want to get as, as many eyeballs on it and, and increase awareness, which hopefully leads to some form of conversion. So a lot of the time, the technology will dictate the behavior or the type of content that we end up creating. So you talk about reach and thinking about organic reach, certainly over the last few years or so on Facebook and certainly Facebook pages, organic reach has plummeted. Yeah. Is it still worthwhile as a brand to be publishing posts on Facebook pages without actually paying to promote them as well? Um, you can always, Yes, it's still worth doing it, but you need to kind of understand a bit more about how the algorithm works. So Facebook's algorithm is called edge rank. So it's important to understand how that works. So for example, understanding how once you upload a piece of content, affinity around that content. So really I'm talking about the engagement that can happen around a piece of content, whether you like it, share, comment, reaction. And what we're seeing is that they're not treated equal. So if you get a reaction, um, it's worth more than a like. And that's one area that we need to kind of look at. Another area will be to do with um, the type of content, going back to what we were saying before. So right now, you see videos, you're going to get a lot more exposure on Facebook than you would if it was just text. Um, time plays a big part. So again, when you've, you've pretty much got 24 hours to get the most out of your content on Facebook. Other platforms, you might have less. Some, like YouTube, you, you could have years. So again, that's another part. Another thing that I've noticed as well recently is mobile and desktop. So if you go onto your phone and then you, let's say you've got Facebook on your phone and Facebook on your desktop, if the news, if the news feeds are not exactly the same, then there's two different algorithms at play. So all of these factors, and also if you've got a piece of content sending with a link, sending you off of Facebook as well, they're not going to increase your reach because they want you to pay. So all of these like factors, plus a few more, um, is really going to affect your reach. So yes, organic reach is at an all-time low, um, but understanding how the, how the algorithms work can help increase that. Now, if you want to get the most out of Facebook, really, if you add advertising to that, and if you can do advertising where, let's say you spend in, I don't know, let's say £10 a day, and £10, Facebook will tell you what your reach is, but if you've created ads that's kind of aimed at more of the sh people sharing and commenting and getting the exposure out. That £10 originally might be worth that if you pay, but if you get a lot of the shares, actually £10 will get you this much reach. So what I'm... What you're sorry, so for, for, for audio listeners, um, oh, obviously... Sorry, you're, yeah, yeah, sorry, you're yeah. <laughs> sorry. So, yeah, so imagine £10 will get you, say, organic reach of... Um, let's say it can reach a thousand people, but if you get people sharing mm -hmm. the content, that organic, that 10 pounds could get you, um, 5,000 people. If you can get people to share okay. it, cause you don't pay for the share. So that's, that's the thing you pay for the exposure, but if someone sees it and then shares it, you don't have to pay for that. So that's ways that's you still, obviously from that point of view, you still have to pay, but that's a ways to get the most out of your money that can hopefully increase your reach. So if as a brand you've been publishing bad content or content that doesn't get engagement in the past, will those previous posts, will the impact of those previous posts, the engagement levels of those previous posts 
impact the likely engagement that you're going to get for future posts? Or is every post that you publish a fresh opportunity? Uh, yes, it does. It does have an effect, but it's, it's not necessarily, oh, I didn't do well a year ago, so it doesn't. I'm not going to do well now. It's more, let's look at your last few posts and see how well they perform. Um, and then that kind of gives um, you a, it will kind of give Facebook an idea. So if you've not performed well in your last three or four posts, then they're probably going to, the odds of you getting exposure over someone else that has performed well is going to be less, which obviously means your reach becomes less. But that doesn't mean um, that sporadically you um, something like all of a sudden it would just become very popular because that's what I've noticed the platforms do. Sometimes you have doing really bad and you post something and all of a sudden that explodes and you're like, I don't know what I'd done differently on this one because I've done exactly the same thing on the last five that didn't work. So I think they always do that to keep people guessing. Um, also, it keeps you interested as well. Yeah, you know, if you was at the casino and you lost every time, it's, it's not good. You're not going to stop after a while. But if you all of a sudden won one, you're like, oh, you know, let me continue betting. So I think that's kind of like how they how they look at it sometimes. Okay, great stuff. And so you talk a lot about engagement as a way of measuring whether or not your piece of content has been a success or is likely to be a success. Does that mean that's not really about the type of content that you publish? It could be a long video or short video. It could be text. It could be image based. As long as if it gets engagement, um, go into your metrics, go into your analytics and actually try and replicate what's been a success in the past for you and for other brands. I think it's a mixture. So I do think the type of content plays a very big part. As I was saying before, if, for example, you was using Instagram and you've got reels, that's going to do well. Or any platform, any platform that's created something new, then that will do. That will give you more organic reach than what you would normally get. Um, so the type of content really plays a part. But then afterwards, they're going to look at the engagement metrics around it. So if you performed very well or if that piece of content performed well, then... With Facebook, they might you're lucky if you get five percent, but then they might say, "Okay, well, actually, out of this five percent, you seem to have reached a particular point. Let's give, let's expose it to more people, and then more people, and then more people." I think LinkedIn is a really good one where you can kind of see that happening. Where LinkedIn, you, again, this is what we kind of see when we test certain things that you've pretty much got like a an hour, twenty minutes to an hour to get the most out of that content, and if it does well, then it could last. Well, if it goes very, I've had a few things go viral on LinkedIn and I've had people like that content nine months later. And I'm thinking, how did you even mm -hmm. see this? Um, but generally speaking, it could be four or five days later. Well, I don't often see that on Facebook where you're getting likes for something you posted four or five days ago, but it can happen. So I think I it goes down to a mixture of both. I don't think it's like it has to be this or this. I think it's a mixture of both. And you're seeing that more and more um, across all platforms. I remember talking to Larry Kim uh, from Mobile Monkey a couple of years ago about LinkedIn success. And he was saying that whenever you publish a new LinkedIn post, then it actually takes over and yeah. takes from your organic reach from your previous post. So if you want to keep your, your organic reach of a post, then don't publish a new one for a little while. Is, is that something you, you'd agree yes, with? Yes, on your personal page. On your business page, right. I don't think it, it it plays it matters that much. But on your personal page, yeah. It, t t what I've noticed is that you again, you've got about twenty four hours. You've got to pretty much give it a day. 
So it's almost like you've got a ceiling that you're going to reach and it gives it all to that one post. But if that post is doing well and then you post something else, it will then either that first post will continue doing well and your second post dies or your second post will do well and your first post dies. So it's almost like it gives that, like um, Larry mentioned, it will give it to the other mm. post. Um, but on your company page, I've seen, I've had three or four things just go really well, like at once. And you don't have to post, I've, I've got, well, I know a few people that will post four five, six times a day. And for each one, they're getting hundreds and hundreds of likes. Um, right. So yeah, I've noticed that there's a difference on your personal to professional page on LinkedIn. Great. Great to know. Um, also, a couple of points ago, you mentioned Instagram Reels. So for anyone that hasn't heard of that and isn't so sure of how to use it, um, what is it and what kind of content works best there? So essentially, when you look at Reels, it's a short, short video. Con- I don't know if, if, if you know TikTok, it's essentially Instagram's sure. version of that. So it's a short video, usually music based, um, and it usually has a, an edit or two or three edits um, showcasing something. It's really popular now when it comes to music and dance, but it's also popular to do um, funny clips. It's almost taken over what Vine used to do back in the days. Um, and it's almost an extension of stories as well. So when it comes to reels, it's the same as what you've got with TikTok and YouTube's got shorts and I think Twitter's got one. I can't remember what Twitter's one's called, but you're starting to see it across almost all platforms, just like how you saw stories across all platforms. The purpose of these is short pieces of content that entertains people or showcases something. It might might be a short tutorial um, in video format and it's just short clips and it's meant to keep people's interest because it's short clips. So you, when you watch television shows or films, again, a lot of it's time, it's two, three seconds, then onto the next bit, next clip, next clip, next camera angle. But it might be telling the same story. So essentially, it's, it's the internet's short version of that. Um, and it's doing very, very well right now. Um, on Instagram, it's doing well. But like I said, a lot of it is to do with the organic reach that you you have from it. Okay. So what about audio social platforms, things like Clubhouse, Twitter Spaces as well? Is that something that you've tested and you think brands can take advantage of as well? Um, I definitely think more B2B brands can take advantage of it. What I think is going to be interesting in over the next year is to see whether or not it's a platform by itself or it's a feature for a platform. So for example... What you're seeing is that, as you mentioned, Twitter's created their version um, and you're going to see Facebook's created their version. LinkedIn, I've heard there's versions in, in um, is tested right now to see whether or not it's, do we need a whole platform like a clubhouse or can it be added to Facebook or LinkedIn? And I think that's going to be an interesting space. There's been a lot of attempts in this space over the years. Um, I remember back in 2009, I can't even remember the name of the platform now, but there was one that was created that's very similar, but, and it, it worked for a bit, but then it stopped. I know, um, Stephen Fry was, was very heavily on this as well, but maybe I think sometimes it doesn't, it's not necessarily, it didn't work because it wasn't a good idea. I just think the timing wasn't right then. Now 
potentially the timing yeah. could be right. Um, but I don't know. It's one. It's one that we'll have to see. I, personally, I think it's more of a feature rather than a, a whole platform for itself. It's it's all about timing, isn't yeah. it? Because I remember, as I'm sure you do, um, Boo.com, yeah. um, the online fashion failing in, in the year 2000, um, or was it 1999? And Boohoo.com, just three or four years later, started and look at the massive success they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so get, get the timing right for, for the digital world. Exactly. Um, just, just one other question before we move on to the next section, um, and that's more, maybe more of a holistic uh, understanding of where everything fits together. Uh, so we've talked a lot about, about social media content. Um, so what about other forms of content and where that fits into the mix. Sure. So for instance, long form content, your own blog content, maybe email marketing as well. So, so how does social media content fit into everything and where do you try and drive people perhaps from social content? Sure. Well, I think when it comes to email marketing, email marketing is still effective. I just feel that it's not the sexy thing to do at the moment, but it's still very effective when it comes to e-commerce. It's still very effective when it comes to B2B. It's still very effective when it comes to people just consuming content. It's just, as I said, it's, it's not the sexy thing that people talk about as much. Mm. Um, search will always be there. You know, if content is the blood of the internet, search is the breath. So search will always be there. What you're seeing when it comes to Google, it seems that they're preferring long form content with rich content on it. So again, it might be three, four, 5,000 words, but a lot a lot of images, videos within it, links externally, links internally, um, other like could be widgets. So it could be an audio widget that's added to it. So you're seeing a lot mm-hmm. more long form content from that point of view. When it comes to, um, generally your website, again, it's a lot of it is going to always go down to the user journey. So if you've got long form content, yes, we can look at dwell time. Yes, we can look at other things, but a lot of it is going to do with the user journey. Where do people go? How long do they stay on the site for? Um, what other sites are connected to it? And that will help, for example, the ranking in search, which obviously is a way to drive traffic to your website. Um, email marketing, as I said before, that that will always play, play a big part in, in what we do in ways to communicate. Yes, GDPR, obviously, a few years ago was, was an issue. Um, well, still is an issue. Um, and, and third-party data, adding it to platforms um, without going into the whole iOS 14 update um, being with your privacy and third-party <laughs> data. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's that issue. Um, the way you collect email and then communicate to people on that email list without their permission. Um, So they're going to have that type of issue. But generally speaking, I feel when it comes to content marketing, we are in a very good place. But ultimately, and as I said, like yourself, I've been in this game for a while. So we've seen a lot of things change, but also I've seen a lot of things not change. And what I mean by that is you still need something to sell. You still need somewhere to sell it and you still have to sell it to someone. And how you communicate that is going to be through your content. And when people talk about things changing all the time, really it's people's behavior or technology. And when it comes to behavior online, it's how they, how people interact with content. And when it comes to technology, it's how we can get that content to people. So smartphones are smart because of the content that they provide. So, That's why I say content is the blood of everything. And 
when it comes to content, I, so after I worked at um, Pop Idol, I was at the, the BBC for four and a half years. So I was working at um, Radio One Extra. So one of their digital stations. And when I left there in 2006, I was poached by MySpace to launch it in the UK. And this is where I started to really understand the idea of digital content in this type of world that we live in now and understand that creating content is only one part of the whole equation. Yes, we have to create content, but then we also have to see it. But now we also want people to engage with it. And that could be from search to click on it, to go somewhere or from a social media to share, like whatever. And then we need to get people to take some form of action on it as well. So when we really break down where content is right now, there is a narrative that just talks about what content can we create, what types of content, but actually just as important is getting people to find it, getting people to engage with it. And if we can't convert people, we just have a very cool hobby. So we really need to Absolutely. Kind of really focus on those areas as well. A lot of great thoughts there. I, I think one of the secrets of, of a lot of big brands is they actually spend more money on promoting a piece of content than creating that piece of content. And that's probably where smaller brands fall over. They they spend thousands of pounds on, on that piece of content. They publish it and they think, where's everyone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one's actually interacting the, with that piece of content. The publish and yeah. pray approach, you know, to publish, click publish, exactly. and then pray the internet gods make this go viral. <laughs> so um, Yeah, which is becoming less likely <laughs> now with the, the volumes of content that's being published every exactly. day. And also some smaller organizations, even large organizations, they're not ready if it does go viral, because if something, the internet is all about moments. So you need to capitalize on that moment. And if something goes viral, it doesn't usually go viral for two, three weeks, like in a traditional world, mm. it might go viral for yeah. a few hours. So did you capitalize on it in those few hours? Did mm. you, what did you do in those few hours? Were you ready? And a lot of organizations are not really ready for that. Um, so sometimes I say yeah. to people, be careful what you wish for, because you might not be ready. To me, it's just like, the one hit wonder in music, you know, their first song just went viral, uh, done really well, but they were not ready for what happened next. Um, so again, it's just capitalizing on, on those moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you're, you're making me think of so many different things. I'm, I'm actually researching different things as we're, as we're talking here. Um, I should tell the listener also, you mentioned iOS 14 with Jim Banks on digital marketing radio, sharing a lot of great value on iOS 14 and what that means for Facebook and um, and, and Apple and uh, the debate that's happening between them. So yeah. listen to Digital Marketing Radio episode 232 for that. Yes, please but do, let's segue it's so important. Part- so yeah, definitely listen to that episode. Great stuff. Thanks, Andrew. Well, let's segue to part two of our discussion. So now it's time for Andrew's thoughts on the state of digital marketing today. So starting off with... Secret software. So Andrew, share a lesser known MarTech tool that's bringing you a lot of value at the moment and why that tool is important for you. Sure. Okay, so... On my website, I've got a guide of over 530 free marketing tools, uh, free communication communication tools. So I'm I'm really big on these on these finding cool tools. So without going through the, the obvious ones like the Canvas and the Hootsuite, so one that I like. Now my job is I'm presenter as as, as you mentioned, um, David. So I'm presenter, keynote speaker. So I'm always doing slides, and there's a tool called AutoDraw. So I don't know if you know AutoDraw. But auto auto draw. auto drawer. Yeah. So I think it's owned by Google. Okay. Auto draw. Okay. Yeah. So auto and then draw as in you're drawing a picture. And mm-hmm. what it is, is predictive text for drawing. 
So if you can't draw, say for example, I needed to draw a bicycle and I can draw two circles and a line between the two circles and then an attempt to do a frame and some handlebars. But this site works out what you're trying to draw and then gives you answers. So imagine if you're texting, you're sending a text and it works out what words you use. It does it for pictures. So it's a great way to come up with pictures that you like. So I can draw an ostrich. I can draw um, an elephant, all the things that I couldn't draw before, but it can work out what it does. And then you can download that and you can add to your content. So that's a really cool site. Um, another one, just two other ones that I just quickly like. Um, Answer the Public. I don't know if you know that one, but Answer the Public is a really good mm-hmm. site for sure. idea generation and Exploding Topics. So Exploding Topics is looking at trends. That's about to explode. So you've got the likes of Google Trends, um, which is great at looking at historical data, but Exploding Topics is good at looking at what's likely to happen because, um, yeah, there's knowing the trend is good, but obviously we are always trying to work out what's next and get in front of a trend before it kind of goes mainstream. So they're, they're free sites. Absolutely superb. Yeah, I, I've heard of Answer the Public and used it um, uh, fairly extensively, certainly, but I haven't heard of Autodraw and Exploding Topics. So great resources and I'll be checking those out. Yeah. But maybe moving on from something that you're currently using to something that you're going to use. So um, the next thing is... Next on the list. What's one marketing activity or tool that you haven't tried yet, but you want to test soon? So this is a really interesting one because I think I've tried everything from from uh, dropshipping <laughs> to well, Amazon yeah. <laughs> to like uh, over the years, everything, uh, PBN networks, et cetera. So, but I think for me now, I'm ready to explore virtual reality quite a lot and the reason Mm. why is because virtual reality as you know you probably was around in 2005 when you was working online um so virtual reality has been around for a long time but i think now we're at the space well sorry at the time where it's affordable there's a lot of pretty good software and it's starting to become not obviously not the norm but it's starting to become uh, a lot of money and investments starting to go in this space from big companies. So when you, I always often say, follow the money. So if we are starting to see a lot of money going from big companies, then they, they, they're seeing something that we haven't seen yet. Um, and even yesterday I, I'd done a virtual reality, uh, training course. Um, someone like he was demonstrating some software and I thought, okay, this has potential. Now I think this digital transformation that we've gone through over the last year is starting to all of a sudden fast track a lot of things. And for me, I think digital uh, virtual reality is going to be uh, interesting space. I think that once, as I said, once you really start seeing Apple and Google get involved, then we're going to see a lot more things. Um, and I think that once we get over motion sickness, then it becomes like, that's where I feel the next big, like, as big as mobile was. Um, I think that's how, and that's something that I would like to get involved. Maybe sticking on that for just a second, because you've obviously looked into that into quite a bit. I mean, I've uh, got one of these mobile headsets and I've played around with it a little bit, but I haven't done too much with it. But what do you see as the first major consumer um, adoption of um, uh, uh, VR. Um, what do you think that think that's going to be? Do you th- do you think um, that, that there's one particular thing that consumers are going to suddenly understand? Ah, 
that's why VR is important for me. I think it'll be games. I think there'll be some game that will be, wow, I can understand this now. Just like Pokemon Go was to augmented reality and those filters. So augmented reality has been around, well, back in like 10 years plus, but it was Pokemon Go and the filters that made people say, wow, this is amazing. Not Google glasses and snap lenses. It was, it was just mm-hmm. taking like pl- chasing these Pokemons and, and taking a picture with doggy ears. That's what really made it. So I think what's going to happen in the game, in the virtual reality, there will be one game that's, there'll probably be a game that the gamers would love first. And then I think there'll be a game that the mainstream people who like Candy Crush, etc., they will like. And if that game can be something which will be shareable and get people involved, then that's going to play a big part because the reality is people are a friend low, not brand low. You know, just go to where their friends are. You know, I've seen it happen when I was at friends with United. Mm, yep. I see it happen when I was at MySpace. I see it happen with all of the other places as well. You know, it's the reason why Google plus didn't work. Probably the best social network I've seen like technically, but people just couldn't mm-hmm. be bothered to start again. Um, so I think that's going to be the other thing as well um, will be adult content. I think the adult content will be the big game changer on, on that because it's pr- history has shown it's done it for for, for VHSs to DVDs to blue uh, to HD. So I think they they're, they're going to be the two things that's really going to change the game in VR. Do you think Google are going to attempt to build anything else in social, or are they going to attempt to buy some of their up and coming social network, or are are they done with trying to compete with Facebook, Twitter, and and LinkedIn socially? To be honest, I think they're done in the sense that I don't think, I think they'll be looking at the next layer because social media now, you know, now social media, if you really look at the first social media sites, Friendster, and the first big one was MySpace. MySpace Mm -hmm. was what, 2005, 2006? So that's 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. And you've seen a lot of come and a lot of go. But now if if Google tried to get into the social media, social networking game, it's almost, I'm not saying it's too late, but Facebook is probably not looking at that. Facebook's looking at VR, augmented reality, and everything else in the AI space. And that's where I think Google will be focusing on. I don't think they're going to try and come up with another network like a Facebook, like a Google Plus or a Wave. That was another one that they had. And Buzz, I think that was the mm-hmm. one yes, they had yeah. before that. I think what they're going exactly. to do is work out How can we do something, let's say in the virtual reality space that will have a social network to it? And I think that's what their goal is. Um, But if an opportunity came came along and TikTok said we're up for sale, then yeah, they'll just be like, okay, well, let's just buy that then. Uh, But I don't think they're going to try and start from scratch. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly done well with YouTube. And and YouTube is quite a social platform. Yeah, exactly. And YouTube, like I remember before they even owned YouTube, because when we was at MySpace, we used to Mm. say, um, don't have the YouTube effect. And what that was, was at the time, people would go to YouTube, consume content and leave. They wouldn't log in. They wouldn't do anything. So YouTube didn't really have any data. Um, So it was, you kind of look at it thinking, all right, well, what's the point? From an entertainment point of view, for the general public, great. But for everybody, for the actual company, didn't make sense. So um, obviously, YouTube, understanding it, building it, to me, 
YouTube is like, bar maybe WhatsApp, YouTube is my favorite social media site. So they've mm. got something there that's worth, that's a valuable asset, a very valuable asset. So I think they'll probably look at that, be happy with that, but work on the next, the next big game changer. See, Andrew, you say things like bar WhatsApp and suddenly WhatsApp is your favourite social network. And I want to dive into another <laughs> string that you actually offer me there as well. But I'm not going to bite <laughs> on this sure occasion. Sure. Let, 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 let's move into the next um, question section, which is... The this or that round. So this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Just two rules here. Try not to think about the answer too much. And you're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So okay. use it wisely. Are you ready? All right, let's go. TikTok or Twitter? TikTok. Facebook or LinkedIn? LinkedIn. YouTube or podcast? YouTube. Traffic or leads? Leads. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Ads or influencers? Both. Google ads or Facebook ads? Facebook ads. Email marketing or chat marketing? Email marketing. Martech stack or all-in-one platform? Stack. One-to-one or scale? Scale. Well, you just used the one both and ads are influencers. And that was both. Why was that both? I do a lot of training on ads and I do a lot of training on influencers. So I see the benefit of both. So with that one, it was like, I don't know what I would choose. Um, so I guess, yeah, it will probably be, that was the one that I'll be like, yeah, both. With everything else, maybe apart from the stack, the, Mar yeah. the MarTech stack and the, um, or, or the uh, all-in-one. That was the other one I was thinking, actually, both. But yeah, I, when I think about what I do, I usually have separate things rather than just all-in-one uh, platforms. Yeah, exactly. It's It's interesting. It seems to be the mindsets of different people that um, are either drawn to using lots of different disparate technologies and just um, tying them all together with Zapier or, or something else, or just trying to use one core piece of technology that does absolutely everything. And I think there are pros and cons mm. for, for either. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Okay, great. Well, let's move on to the $10,000 question. So if I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? <laughs> Honestly, if I wanted to get a buzz, if I wanted to create some viral content and go get the internet going nuts, I honestly would. Spend a thousand, let's say, I'll take a thousand pounds. I'll go to somewhere very popular like Oxford Street. I'll get a sign that's got my my website on and I'll throw it in the air and I'll be like, it's yours. Follow this particular URL and it will t I'll tell you where I'm going to be next week. And then I'll, because what will happen, people go, it will go, people will be trending, people will taking pictures. They'll be like, there's this crazy guy throwing money around and just giving it away. And that will create such a buzz. And then people will be like, where is he going to be next week? Uh, and then I'll just do a thousand pound for the next week. And then I'll just do it for 10 weeks. Uh, that's pretty much what I would probably do if I had to do one thing. If I had to do other things, then I'll probably do a bit of ads, email marketing, influencer marketing. I'll do some funnels. Uh, but if it was just one thing to create a huge awareness, 
I I probably would do that because that would create so much buzz. It will get people taking pictures. People will follow you because they want to do stuff. I think that what will happen is brands will see that and say, okay, you're the guy that give out stuff. Can we can we give you stuff as so on the next time you can do this? People take a lot of pictures with me. I'll, I'll speak to somebody to sponsor what I'm wearing, um, and I ju- I could just see someone just doing that. And I often <laughs> say to brands, I say you might as well do that than spend that ten thousand pounds on this expensive video when you've not got any promotional idea behind it because that's essentially what you're doing you're throwing the money away so that's probably much what i would do i love that because it's thinking outside of the box it's also blending physical offline promotion with digital marketing as well and i think too many digital marketers maybe just think of digital and have that siloed tunnel visioned approach to what they're doing without other things that could actually possibly be more beneficial and through other elements into the the mix as well it, it reminds me i used to work for a marketing agency in in sydney in australia and um, um we did a campaign for uh, a biscuit called tim tams they're they're like uh, penguin biscuits over 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 in the uk oh, nice. and mm. uh, we made a, a tim tam tree so I actually stuck tim tam biscuits to a tree you know and, that, and that's um, and 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 it was in the middle of sydney and of course everyone started taking their their pictures of this tree and um it was it was a great um piece of social engagement because of that that effort that physical effort in creating something physical rather than something digital um have you actually done something like that because because it seems like uh, an idea that's um you know very different and, and specific i guess to yourself so so have you done maybe some physical marketing that's actually turned out to be a digital success um not for what i do now just because my business doesn't need that so as i said i'm a trainer or i'm a speaker so i don't necessarily need to do that but when i was let's say when i was at myspace we used to do it all the time you know we used mm-hmm. to do these secret shows um and then it will just be an event. You don't know who's turning up, but it would always be some, like, for example, you meet, everybody meets here and then we'll just get everybody on buses and cabs and then we take them to the real venue. Um, or we used to do this thing called the MySpace sofa. So you grab, we refitted up this sofa, we'll put it on stage and whoever wins the competition will be on stage with the artist, whatever that's at the event. So we used to do a lot of offline and online stuff because people will take pictures and, and bring it there. Um, so I've used to do a lot of like that, I used to call it online guerrilla marketing, but sorry, mm-hmm. online meets guerrilla marketing um, because it was the outside marketing, but the guerrilla, i.e. just random out of the box thinking, but with the mm-hmm. online element that people will take the pictures or the content and post it and let it go viral. So used to do a lot of stuff there, but as I said, my main job is it, it, it wouldn't make sense for me to do that to do that however i have worked with many clients that has done stuff like that or Mm. they'll come to me this is the idea that we've got can we how can we can you give us a strategy around how to promote that or can you train our team on how to promote that and that's pretty much what i what i would do so i've done that for a lot of the a lot of the big ad agencies yeah, I love that. I, th- I think it's so important to think out out of the box, as you as you as you say. I remember a couple of years ago, I hosted a big end of year uh, online um, live stream, and that, that was several hours long, and had um, fifty or so marketers as part of it. And um, everyone who was on it, um, I wrote 
a physical thank you letter, a branded, uh, yes. it was a postcard actually. Um, and so many of them obviously took photos of it and, and shared it on social media and said, thank you. It's, it's not many people blend physical and digital. It's becoming easier to do it in an automated way, but still not, not enough people are doing it. So that's something for yeah. you to, to think of. Definitely. Let's, um, to finish off, uh, shift the focus to someone else who deserves it. So that is a magical marketer. So who's an up and coming marketer that you'd like to give a shout out to? What can we learn from them and where can we find them? Sure. So the guy that I really like is a guy called Chris Branch and he runs a company called C to Branch on LinkedIn. Um, and if you want to know anything about LinkedIn or just go to a company that help you generate leads, but a content first approach. So you're building brand as well as business. Um, I would say Chris Branch, he's probably in his twenties, um, has that young sense of, I understand how platforms work, but has the old sense of, I also understand how business works and it meets nicely in the middle. So he's mainly LinkedIn, but he's very, very, very good at LinkedIn. So, um, just type in seed to branch. So seed S E E D to, and then branch like a tree branch. And then you'll just see what, what he posts on, on his, um, company page. So he's built a company page on LinkedIn, which is one of the hardest things to do. Mm. Um, so he's built a company page on LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, he, he'll be the one that I would, I would like to, to, to kind of shout out to. Um, yeah, the good thing Great yeah. recommendation. I mean, the, the good thing about building a company page, of course, is that you can actually promote posts. You can use LinkedIn ads to do that. Yeah. But um, again, that's another um, tunnel that we won't <laughs> go down for this particular episode. <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> <is it. laughs> Look, this was episode 244 Digital Marketing Radio, where Andrew Davis from andrewmilesdavis.com shared lots of great content marketing tips to begin with. So you were talking about social post engagement and how to really focus on driving those engagement levels to get additional views. You also shared that email isn't dead yet and also that uh, rich long form content is particularly successful at the moment. So rich long form content, 4,000 words or so that you said, incorporating images, video, other different elements like that as well. For your secret software, you shared three pieces of software. You shared AutoDraw, Answer the Public, and Exploding Topics. Uh, your next on the list was VR. And your magical marketer was Chris Branch from Seed to Branch. Absolutely superb stuff, Andrew. So uh, everything that you mentioned in the show notes um, in, in the show today will be in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Um, Andrew, what's the best social platform for someone to follow you and say hi? Uh, for me, it's LinkedIn. That's my drink of choice. So it's <laughs> linkedin.com slash IN slash Andrew M for Miles and then Davis. So Andrew M Davis, um, as well as my website, andrewmilesdavis.com. Superb. Well, I'll also link to that from the show notes as well. Um, I've been your host, David Bain. You can also find me producing podcasts for B2B brands over at castingcred.com. Remember, uh, wherever you're consuming this content, feedback is fantabulous. Until we meet again, stay hungry, stay foolish, and stay subscribed. Aloha. DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio.com DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio DigitalMarketingRadio.com Digital